Okay. Well, welcome, everybody. It's Mary Lynn Harris of Hard at Work, and we're doing a podcast uh, with Sijal, uh, and um, we're also live streaming on YouTube. And um, so okay. part of the challenge well, welcome, is, everybody. It's Mary Lynn Harris is having of this Hard at Work, and we're doing a podcast uh, with Sijal, uh, and um, we're also live streaming. Okay. Well, welcome, everybody. There. Well, let me go back. There we go. And so anyway, we're also live streaming on um, YouTube, like I said, and I'm still trying to figure out how to get the two volumes not going at the same time. But anyway, we'll just proceed. So uh, welcome, Sijal. Thank you for coming back. I know it's early morning on January 1st, but we had scheduled this a while ago, and so we're just going to keep going. So um Sijal, I know we did a program um, with you a few months ago, probably about a year ago now. And um, so now we're just doing a, an updated version and, uh, you know, talk about COVID and pivoting and all those important things. Um, you know, we all need to consider, especially during the pandemic and, and what businesses are doing now. So welcome, Sijal. And would you like to introduce yourself and maybe tell people, you know, kind of things what you're doing now and how you got started? Yeah, well, thank you so much, Marilyn, for having me back. I was really, I'm always, I always love talking to you anyway, but I really appreciate <laughs> the opportunity to, uh, to share my story as well. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm still doing the same thing, although a lot has changed since the last time we spoke. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, you know, when COVID hit, I was, as you know, Marilyn, I was doing all in-person live training, um, all focused in on helping organizations create cultures of dignity and respect. But I had put all my eggs into live in-person training. And then when COVID hit, I wasn't set up for virtual. So since then, I am now doing everything virtually. And um, you know, one of the things that has also changed since we last spoke is obviously there has been so much that's happened in I tried to look up when we did it. It was actually before the pandemic is when we right. spoke. So, right. so much has changed since the last year and, and I'm doing so many cool new things as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you were we were talking earlier before this call that uh, you had to pivot and um, the pivoting going from live to virtual now. And you were telling me how often we tend to put ourselves in our own box of how things should go and how we should do them. So you wanna share a little bit about that or how your experience was that through that? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, like a lot of us that dealt with such challenging situations last week, it was something I wasn't prepared for. Mm -hmm. And so I really had to figure out, do I still wanna continue doing this work? Because yeah. I, I really do it for the impact. Um, right. And so I wasn't sure if I can have that sort of impact and, and create the change that I'm trying to do being virtual. So I literally, I had to take a step back, really kind of regain perspective after I went through the, you know, the nervous yeah. breakdown of, of all of that. But then when I took the step back, I, I put myself on a probationary period for like two months. Okay. I had a couple of companies that were sending me training work who were already set up for being virtual. And right. so I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to take this on. I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to read every single evaluation that comes back and make sure, is this still 
what I want to do? Am I, am I still delivering that impact? And so the silver lining, which I saw a few months after, right, was that um, it really opened up the, the doors for me because now I can train virtually. I, in fact, I like it mm-hmm. because I can do a lot of creative things with my training that maybe in person I couldn't, like the right. breakout rooms and the, I can show videos and I can just be really creative with my training, mm-hmm. um, but also train people all over the world. Right. On these issues. So it just the scope of my business just exploded. So but, you know, of course, like everything in hindsight. Right. At the time I was <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was going to make it past COVID or my business. Alive. <laughs> so. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think it's so true is that, you know, something happens and we just freeze and we talk about pivoting. I mean, I'm I feel I'm pivoting all the time, but um I guess that's just because when you're an entrepreneur, you need to, you have to keep doing that. Because if you're working with somebody else, maybe not so much because you're under their guiding rule, right? And um, we all have our own little challenges with that or with or without it. I certainly learned that um, through my own experience that um, I'm just not cut out <laughs> to be an employee. But uh, given that, though, as a business owner, you, you really need to think about how you're going to pivot and taking a step back, like you were said that you did, just really helped you realize, hey, I am still creating an impact, but it just looks different now. Yeah, and, and that the whole situation last year also taught me that big lesson of, you know, really putting my mental health and well-being as a mm. priority because as a solopreneur, yeah. it's very easy and you know this to yeah. just, you know, I can go I can go really hard in, in my business because not only do I love what I do, mm-hmm. but it brings me a lot of joy. So I can really get OCD and obsessive over it. Right. But I realized last year that you got to step back mm-hmm. and you got to, you know, I, I feel for I, I my prayers and thoughts go out to everybody last year who yeah. lost somebody during COVID or right. the, you know, the racial movement who are still battling all of that. But it made me really realize that I have to put my health first because if I'm not healthy then none of this other stuff matters at all and and so I I share that lesson because I think a lot of people learn that lesson a lot of people that I'm talking to have said the Mm -hmm. same exact thing that these deeping deeper meaningful connections and checking in on people to make sure they're doing okay and supported has has to be a priority right right and so what do you with that um statement CJ what have you been doing what have you learned about you know self-care for yourself yeah, I, you know, I, I, I'm a huge calendar person. I, I rely on my calendars. If it's not on my calendar, it's, it's not going to happen, right? So, <laughs> so I use my calendar a lot to really sort of see where am I spending my time and, mm-hmm. and making sure, am I carving out time for myself? Am I carving out time with just me and my son? Am I carving out time for my work? Am I carving out time? And, and just making sure that it's well-balanced, in right. my approach. And so that's one of the big things that I did, but also just taking care of my mental, mental state. Like mm-hmm. it, it's, it's hard work, um, that I'm doing. And so it depletes me as well. And so I need to refill and mm-hmm. doing things like reading more nature, hiking more and, and, and having conversations with supportive people, 
Mm-hmm. That really refuels me too, is having those deeper discussions and conversations because I, at the end of the day, I am on my own. Mm-hmm. And so I like to collaborate with other people who have different perspectives and mm-hmm. that have different thoughts than I do. It really helps me see things from a different perspective as well. Right, right. And yeah, as you were saying that too, um, being you know solo is sort of like uh, when you're working with your clients, you're actually holding a lot of space for them, right? And so that's where your energy gets drained, even though you really love what you do, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. It's so, heavy stuff too, the emotional toll it takes on you too, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's why I get it. You know, and that's yeah. why I do the work that I do, that when people are working in, in places where they're being emotionally drained or they're not being recognized for their work or they're not being valued or, or in a collaborative environment, that's not going to let them perform at their peak right. level. You know, and, and that's why I think it's so important for put well-being of your employees first to all the leaders that are listening. Yeah. Make it a priority because if your employees are, are taken care of, they can take care of you. If, if they're struggling and you're not supporting them, then they're not going to be able to perform the way you need them to and, and want them right. to. Right? right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you find right now that the current issues besides mental health and um, holding space for people and connecting with them. What are some of the issues that you're finding the clients are going through right now that really need your help? Well, uh, there's so many, um, you know, uh, the first thing is with the pandemic, you know, I mean, it, we've never seen such a huge um, wave of people working from home. We've got mm-hmm. over 50% of the entire workforce is now working from home. Right. So Lots of organizations need to deal with the laws that are constantly changing about how to, you know, when when people need to, how to notify people if they've been in contact with somebody, what are their options, how the company handles these situations. So that's a lot of what I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. The remote technology piece is another piece, you know, I mean, here here you were companies that were saying, (laughs) we can't let people work from home. And now everyone's working from home. (laughs) So there's a lot of those issues and, and that, you know, and then just in civility in general just this mm-hmm. last year has increased to the you know to the other level I, mm-hmm. I mean um and 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 it's important to recognize that just because people are working from home doesn't mean they can't do it remotely or using computers and their text messages and social media to continue to harass or or engage in those behaviors so for a lot of the companies that I'm working with it's about you know, reminding them that, hey, by the way, your culture still needs to be priority, even if they're not all there in front of you, because, you know, it's still happening, if not more, because of everything that's going on out there. So those are some of the issues. And then another issue that I've been um, talking to some of my clients about is, you know, we're we're seeing some of those um, multi-generational bias issues creeping in, you know, where we've got different generations working together. So how do we communicate effectively? How do we reduce that bias in the workforce? So those are also some of the issues that I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you brought up uh, many issues that I think employers and employees now have to work with and engage in a different way, right? Because if you're face to face, it's easier to have that conversation then, you know, from computer screen to another screen, although the video does help with some of that, because you can see the expressions and you can see um, the pain maybe they have or not having, you know, so those type of things. So how do you um, help people deal with all these issues? Um, 
what is your, do you have a method or a strategy of how you work with everybody and different issues? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's all, it all depends. I mean, so as you know, I'm a, an employment lawyer. So I've litigated cases from, from 2003 till about eight years ago, I was a litigator and I was representing leaders on right. cases that dealt specifically with harassment discrimination. Right. And so I did that. I've, I've worked in that space and I've learned a lot in doing that work about what yeah. we shouldn't be doing. So we don't get paid. <laughs> so so I bring, I, and then I've also done a lot of workplace investigations that dealt yeah. with discrimination and harassment. So I've seen it from a nuts and bolts perspective. So right. I've done the legal work, I've done the policy work where I've drafted, helped organizations draft the policies, yeah. create, you know, help them create their structures with regards to the investigation process. And where I'm landing right now, the work that I'm doing currently is the training piece. That's right. really where I feel like I can make the best impact. And so right. um, where I do, where I come in is I think that we need to proactively right address these situations and not wait till we get slapped with the lawsuit. <laughs> so I'm out there just working with organizations and provide training on a lot of different topics. But again, civility is my, my really my focus is mm -hmm. how do we create environments where there's psychological safety within the right. organization, right? So mm -hmm. that's a lot of the work that I'm doing right now. Right, right. Yeah, and I think it's so important because there's so much the way everybody communicates is differently. And if you want an organization wants a certain person to communicate in a certain way, then they need to tell them how they want them to do that, right? Exactly. And, and don't forget, you know, I mean, because of this last year, mm -hmm. because of the fact that people are working globally now, I mean, it is right. like, it's like, it's like fast forward, right? right. We weren't ready for this globalization at the ra rapid race that it, uh, right. pace that it happened last year. And so the other issue that's caused an increase in incivility is now you're dealing with people from all sorts of diversity, right? different cultures, but di diversity of thought, different countries, different, or, you know, just so much diversity that that is going to create differences between us. And mm -hmm. because of those differences, there are new challenges that we have to make sure we address that we weren't addressing before, like microaggressions. Right. This was a, something that in most organizations is baked into the culture of the organization and it's become normal. But guess right. what? Now we have to talk about microaggressions because it's it's we need to address those issues so we don't have a toxic work environment and we don't end up in court. Right. right. So really, it's 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 um, we're dealing with a lot of issues that have sort of been kind of swept underneath the rug that mm -hmm. are like right there in front of us now. And we're like, yeah. we can't ignore these issues anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, as you're talking, I'm kind of thinking of, you know, different cultures have their own understanding what communication is, right? And then you have another um, ethnic group who, who has their own other way of, um, and then like you say, you have your different biases, and then you have older and younger people now communicating with one another, right? Mm -hmm. So I find that is also an issue in some workplaces as well. Absolutely. The multi-generational bias issue, like I said, that's a huge yeah. one that I'm dealing with right now. And, and this is why I say that there's no one size fits all solution. 
Right. So, you know, you have to look at who you're working with and what your issues are inside of your organization and then right. create a plan around that. And so that multi-generational issue, you know, I was I was having a conversation with a, a senior HR person just like three weeks ago on this issue. And she was telling me how they had had a, a diversity and inclusion expert come in and do some training. And the training was good. Yeah. But as I was talking to her about it, I started asking questions because every time I, I go in to do a training with an organization, I do a deep dive to understand what am I going into right. so that I can tailor my presentation for that organization. During this conversation, I started asking her about the demographics of that particular company. And one of the questions I said is, can you tell me just the ages of the people that are working there? And then she's like, well, why do you want to know that? And I go, well, some of my clients are dealing with this multi-generational where they're having communication issues and there's issues, complaints already coming out from that. And she's like, that's so interesting that you're asking about this issue because we've had a lot of issues around that. And, mm -hmm. you know, that the other person that came in, they never even covered that topic in the training. And I go, well, this is the thing. You have to customize your plan according to the issues you have, because right. if you don't deal with those issues, mm -hmm. It's going to, it's going to result. It's a ticking time bomb. Mm -hmm. Right. So, mm -hmm. and, and again, nothing against the other DNA, DI expert that came in and did the training. They did a good job from what I heard, yeah. but I think it's important that we need to look at the issues present within that company and create a plan, a training that's going to address those needs. Right. right. And it's yeah. a plan. It's not a one-time training. That's, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> not, that is not, I mean, no matter how good you, you are at training, you know, it's, it's not a one-time phase. Yeah. It's an ongoing exactly. concern and an ongoing um, issue that we have to deal with, right? Yeah. And I, I don't know, I guess in my recent experience, I just, I found that they tell you to do this and do that, but they don't really show you or they don't have any training. And um, when I did ask about training is, oh, we have our whole training department that looks after that. And I'm like, okay, where is it? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, oh. like, yeah. or one of the people said to me when I first started, they're like, oh, what you're talking about is soft skills. Like, it's no big deal. And I'm like, what? It's not soft skills. It's the skills that are necessary for people to right. get along at right. work. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think, and you know, and in most smaller businesses, they may not have, you know, a training department per se, but that's when I think uh, small, I don't know about you, but I think would think that smaller companies are more proactive than maybe larger organizations because they can, you know, bring in somebody, you know, and just say, okay, what's our plan? What should we do? And that type of thing. Do you find that? Yeah, and 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 and, and, I, and I just want to highlight the importance that size does not matter. Yeah. If you've got one employee, you got to set the culture up. And right. and look, there's plenty of research out there that says the more you tolerate within your organization, the more that's going to result. Right? If you've got an organization where it's there's harassment that's happening, even if it's two employees or three employees, it's going to impact the culture of that organization. Right. So you want to start from day one and create a culture where it's not going to happen in the first place. Let's not yeah. wait for it to happen and deal with it. Let's make an environment where it's not going to happen to begin with. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you know, you like you're saying, it may not happen, but you still have to prepare for it. Absolutely. And if it does happen, what are we going to do about it? Correct. Right? And Rather that's than just you know 
go on and on with whatever that they don't want to deal with it. <laughs> that's a huge piece that you just talked about. That's a huge piece in that. How are you going to create psychological safety within your organization if people, when they make their complaints, nothing is done about it, or it's not properly investigated, or there's no discipline, or there's no action taken by the organization, or worse, institutional betrayal, right? right? So, so absolutely, it, it, you know, if leaders say one thing and then the organization does something else, you're mm-hmm. not going to be able to create a culture of trust. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Great points, great points. So CJ, tell us some more about um, anything you want to share. I know we just said we kind of do an update about what you've been doing. It sounds like you've been doing a lot, actually, considering um, the COVID and the pandemic and how to help people. And so what else um, do you want to share about um, what you've been busy doing? I would, you know, I would just have one piece of advice for leaders going into this new year. And I'm so excited that this is the yeah. first day of the yeah, year. First so day of the new year, 2021. My first, <laughs> advice, my first advice out to the world, the leadership yeah. out there that's listening um, in 2021, just in light of everything that we've gone through this past year. You know, um, there was a a quote by Peter Drucker and, and, you know, he's like this huge management consultant. And he said this quote and I wrote it down because I wanted to share this. The greatest danger in terms of turbulences, not the turbulence itself, it is to act with yesterday's logic. Right. Right. We are here now on the first day of 20. 21. Mm-hmm. If you really want to create a culture of civility, but I would even go a step further, right? I'm, I'm going to stretch it this okay. concept to say, if you want to create a culture that's anti-racist, right. which is hopefully most organizations, if not all, but we don't know, I don't know. But yeah. if you do, if you are one of those organizations that is committed to creating a culture of true inclusion, you have to be an anti-racist organization. There's no way around it. Right. And so my advice to leaders is look within your organization at each leader, at all levels of your organization, not just say it. You have to actually talk to each leader and find out, are they all anti-racist? If there's even one in your organization that is not anti-racist. So make it a leadership quality that's mandated to work at your organization that you are anti-racist. And if they're not, because not everybody's there, then support them, give them the education, the skills, the training Mm -hmm. so that they can choose if they choose. Now that's Mm -hmm. the thing. There may be people out there that don't want to be anti-racist and then maybe it's not a good fit for the organization. Don't skirt that question. Right. You've got to ask that question because one anti-racist leader can create a crack and impact the psychological safety of your entire organization. So you need to figure out and support right. and get people there. That's my one advice to everybody. Because look, being anti-racist is required because we need to talk about these hard issues. We need right. to talk about equity. We need to talk about white supremacy. We need to talk about racism. We need to talk about privilege. And these conversations are hard they're uncomfortable, but it's your leadership mm-hmm. that needs to be having and being included in these conversations and they need to want to be there. And if they're not, then they maybe need to move on and go to a different company because it might not be the right fit. Right. right, so right. That's my advice to everybody. So that's what I want to say to leadership. And then, you know, I, I think it's my 
you know, yesterday I watched this, there was a festival, it was called Hope Fest 360. It was mm -hmm. a long, like eight hour video. And I watched it all day. And I just want to say, I, you know, that I think that I think I feel hopeful mm -hmm. moving into this year. I feel optimistic. I feel positive. Mm -hmm. And I just think that we can all do something. Mm -hmm. I think the point is we can't be on the fence. Right. You, know, you have to make a decision. Are you anti-racist or not? There's no neutral. You have to pick a side and, and then just take small steps, mm -hmm. you know, whatever you're comfortable with, but you have to pick a side and then you have to help people that maybe are on the other side, see a different perspective, right. try to see it and do something. Let's, let's, right. let's do this collectively. We can make a huge impact and really change this year to be a, a, the best year ever. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I was just thinking about that as you were talking earlier, but this is the first year <laughs> day of 2021. Yeah. So we're having this awesome conversation about, you know, cultural change and anti-racism and uh, biases and, um, you know, all the things that I think that are, like you were saying, brushed underneath the carpet. And But unfortunately, Fortunately, I think the COVID, the pandemic has brought it out again into the light. And just to say, look, we really need to look at this because it, if we don't, it's really harming our organization and the employees that are within it, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. they have, if your employees have nowhere to go to get help, you know, I think somebody said to me one day that, or I read one day that, you know, HR is not your friend they are representing the company. And if you uh, have an issue, you really can't go to HR because they're not there for you. They're there for the company. Do you want to address that? Yeah. Or do you find any of that going on? Yeah, that's, that's a major, that's a stereotype that's out there. We can't yeah. deny it. And yeah. I've, I've, I've tested out that theory because I've, at, when I've gone to conferences and I've speak, I've spoken at public events, I've asked HR and I, yeah. and, being in HR is one of the most toughest fields to yeah. be in right now. So I, I, I have mad respect for anybody that's in HR <laughs> right now because, wow. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I will tell you that I've asked him this a very simple question. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if somebody came to you, if an employee came to you and said that they were being harassed by their supervisor and told you their side of the story, and then you went to the supervisor and you, and you asked them their side of the story, which is, of course, going to yeah. be usually different than the employee side of the story, which side would you choose? And I have heard from HR's mouths themselves say probably the manager. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's a stereotype that's out there, but here's the deal. Mm -hmm. HR should be neutral. Mm -hmm. They need to work on addressing that stereotype very, very much so because mm -hmm. HR needs to be a place where employees can go and have somebody neutral, objectively look at mm -hmm. that complaint and resolve it. Because the, the this is the thing. It's really, in my, my opinion, you can do a lot to resolve these complaints if you handle them the, the right way. Right. Most of these complaints can be resolved before they end up in front of a courtroom. Most right. of them, if you take their, if you have dignity and respect in your organization and you take that, that issue seriously for each employee. And so, you know, HR has some work to do to, to work on that. They should be neutral. And, and this is harmful to organizations to have this be an, uh, a stereotype, because here's the thing, the organization can't address the issues until they know about them. 
But if the employees don't even feel safe going to HR, now we got a huge problem. We We can't fix something we don't know about. Right. So you want to encourage people to speak up to come to HR, to go to their managers, to, to have conversations amongst each other, to be able to talk to each other and say, hey, you know, you know, when you did X, Y, or Z, it, it crossed a line for me. It made me uncomfortable. Can you please not do that again? Employees need to be able to have these conversations. And if, if they can't resolve the situation, they need to be able to go to HR. So do more to empower your employees and uh, create a situation where they come to you, speak up, so before yeah. we end up down there and end up right. in- yeah. yeah, yeah. I find um, some organizations, like you were saying, it's important that, you know, as an employee, you should be able to go to your manager and HR and help get it resolved. But I think, you know, um, from some of the organizations I've worked with is that employees are too scared. And so they don't say anything. Yeah. Even though there are major issues going on, but you know, if somebody does speak up, it's sort of like, oh, you're the problem. Right. So, uh, <laughs> and I did a little research on that myself about harassment. And that's what the most issue. HRs don't want to deal with it. So they blame the victim. It's true. Three out of four people don't report. Yeah. For that very reason, yeah. um, you know, because they're afraid of retaliation. They're afraid no one's going to believe them. Yeah. They don't know their rights. I mean, three out of four people are not reporting. That's a huge problem. Right. But I will tell you that at least from my perspective, what I'm seeing is mm-hmm. that this last year, mm-hmm. the tolerance for putting up with that type of stuff in the workplace or incivility in yeah. the workplace has gone down significantly. People oh, that's are great. That's good news. That's yeah. good news. Yeah, it's good yeah. news. Because we really need to have more civility in our workplaces. And um, whether we call that respect or whatever, we all need that, right? True. And and that's the other side of what I was saying earlier is you start with your leaders, but the other part of that, the other side of that coin is you want to find out what's making your employees happy and what's not making them happy. So don't speak for them. You you know, you got (laughs) to ask them. Right. You got to ask them. And so I had a leader tell me the other day, we don't get any complaints here, so we don't have any problems. And I just chuckled. <laughs> really? is, that, is that is that what you think? When was the last time you asked them, though, just, yeah. just to find out? And of course, you know, the answer most of the times is we haven't asked them. Yeah. So now you don't want to know the answer. <laughs> you don't want to know the answer. Well, here's the deal. You got to find out the answer so you can address yeah. the issues that are going on proactively. Yeah. Yeah. So ask them, ask your employees, what makes you happy at work? What, what doesn't make you happy? What can we do as an organization to support you? And what, you you know, we each want something different. For me, when I was working for, and I'm with you, Marilyn, I don't ever want to work for anybody else ever again either. But but when I was working for other people, the things that made me happy were things like, you know, um, I like being in a collaborative environment. I've never worked well with being competitive. I don't like to compete against other people. So I want to be surrounded by by people who value my skills, who let me speak my ideas, right? But the other thing that makes me happy too is I want to be treated with dignity and respect when I'm at work. I work hard and I want to be given dignity and respect. That's important to me. And then I also get happy. I'm very purpose-driven. So for me, the work that I'm doing has to be for a very good purpose and it has to align with me. But everybody's different. So you've got to look at who you're working with and figure out what makes them happy and then come up with a big plan on how you're going to find some shared 
goals and shared mission and shared values. And then you find the right people that it aligns with. And and I think that's the piece that's missing. And and I think last year has taught us that. It's forced us all to kind of go back and figure out what is important for me Mm -hmm. and, and, and how do I want to move forward? How do I want to show up this next year? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. So CJ, tell us a little bit how they can get a hold of you and what kind of help you can help organizations with. Yeah. So if, if you want to learn about the services that I provide, you could just go to my website at train extra. It's www.trainxtra.com. So there's no E in the extra. And then, um, so I've listed out everything that I, that I offer It's primarily, like I said, I'm focused in on the training piece. Mm-hmm. So if you need any help with any kind of training regarding culture or leadership, I'd be um, happy to speak with you. And then the other thing I would say is I'm the only social media platform I'm on right now is LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So if you're on there, follow me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm a huge believer in sharing resources, sharing mm-hmm. information, providing guidance and yeah. even, you know resources. I think it's so important to share quality, um, re- factual information, credible information. So yeah. follow me on LinkedIn. I'd be happy to connect with you there. And, and those would be the best ways to get yeah. a hold of me. Yeah. And of course, we'll um, update you on the podcast.hardatwork uh, website for the podcast. And of course, you'll be found on YouTube and of course, Anchor FM um, under Impactful Legacy. That's what the podcast is about. And it's just about speaking to people who are making the impact, making, helping companies and organizations to leave a positive legacy in the workplace. Of course, mine is always about kindness. Kindness makes an impact too. So, um, and it goes along really with what you're doing, right? Oh, yeah. And civility. Yeah. Yes. So, so cool. So I'm going to end the call today, but thank you so much for joining me today in the first day of January of 2021. Thank you. Know that there is hope and inspiration and love in the world today. And we just have to keep sharing that and really listen and understand and ask questions, you know, Mm -hmm. rather than making a lot of assumptions. So I'm going to just end the call and just say, please be kind to each other because that's all we have. And um, thank you so much, Sijal, for joining me again today. I so appreciate you. And uh, we'll chat with you soon. Thank you. Okay, thank you, everybody. Have yourself a great day. Bye.